0: I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 7th of January 2009. For the newcomers, go into and on the website and download hundreds of hours of talks I've given. You can download them for free. And these talks concern the big system we live in. I try to go back in history and pull things from the past to the present to show you how techniques are always used intergenerationally to control us into a predicted planned future also look into alan watt sent in, sentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download and print up and they're done in the various languages of europe you know you can't look around this world i don't care who you are without realizing that there are big alliances at work worldwide especially when it comes to when it's in your face and it's massive killing across the planet. Generally, in between all the massive killing, we forget that you have economic wars on the go, where those that have the big boys who have the big international corporations and the banks that fund them and all those involved with them, with the shares, etc., have economic wars on the go all the time. And there's nothing new about this at all. It's just kept out of the young children's history books. You don't want to upset them too much. And especially today, the history comprises of vastly edited Mm -hmm. material where all the bad parts, all the nasty things that man can do to man is generally taken out and very simplistic things substituted, such as two countries went to war over territory, and that's all you have to learn. And yet down through the ages, when it comes to this odd thing called money and the system that came with it and the organization that came out of it and perhaps even preceded it, it's hard to tell. We find that there's been massacres and genocides all down through the ages. And often those who succumb to genocide become the very proponents of the same thing to other people. It's kind of like abuse, the cases of abuse, where the person who's brought up in an abused situation becomes the abuser themselves. And that's much the same with whole peoples at times. But it's also, more than that, it's also a science, which is understood by those who study philosophy and history. And that's why governments and heads of state and the big think tanks that work for them to help project their planned futures They bring in philosophers and historians to work with them, not just the low-level types, but real top-notch people who know their stuff because they want to know how the public would react if they did a certain thing, and they go back to the past to see how it worked with previous peoples across the planet. And Plato even went through some of these techniques in his writings, and he was taught from people who'd already ruled for a long, long time a good part of the ancient world and that was from Egypt he said himself the same techniques can be brought to use again in formula and if they're introduced in formula the public will react to them the very same way this is not a difficult science to understand but it's not taught in regular schools if we were all taught this stuff we could be on guard For the psychopaths, who always get to the top in an economic system. And we could spot them at all levels, all strata of society. And I'm going to continue on this line with some very important news after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix. Discussing the techniques used down through the ages where people can manipulate others. And I've always pointed out to the simplest type to understand, and that is where I was found at the Nuremberg Trials on Adolf Hitler, who's always used, although they're all the same, basically, first Stalin or whoever. You find that the followers of such a person at the top level Uh, are basically people who are powerless to begin with, but they're they're, they're very radical. They want power. They crave power, in fact. And they're psychopathic in personality types. They despise those beneath them, and they worship those with more power above them. That is a pseudo-masochistic type of relationship. And you'll find that all through society. In fact, there's been articles in the newspapers about the bosses getting to the top CEO positions of work and being diagnosed as psychopaths. They can do it because they're very pleasant, generally, but they can have massive outbreaks of incredible psychotic temper at times as well. And people will forgive their outbursts, their massive, massive outbursts, but they have a great ability to manipulate others, to do the things that they they want them to do. So other people will, will willingly do all the work for them. And this is the same technique the CIA uses. When they set up people to lead crowds, they find the specific type of personality they're after for followers, they become the patsies, they do all the dirty work, they're the guys who are caught eventually, and you find there's one person behind them who's manipulating them all, who tries to keep his own nose clean. Standard operating procedure. And they use these in the information wars, including a lot of these forums out there. So people should be warned about it. The pathologies are always left hanging up to dry. But when we go into psychopathy, as I say, this is something that should be taught, I think, in school, so that everyone can understand what a psychopath is and recognize the signs and symptoms of them. Psychopaths, and really that's what history is full of, is the great psychopaths down through the ages who got to the top by one way or another or seized power or smelled the popular wind and they get the popular vote and they get in. They're very adaptive in that that manner. We find that the Alexanders, the greats and so on down through the history, folks, there's always somebody, the great here and there or William the Conqueror or whoever it happens to be. And when you go into their histories, they were standard psychopaths. They could put on lavish displays of affection to those near and dear to them but they really felt nothing for them at all that's the ability of the psychopath to put on massive displays they make great salesmen they're very manipulative it's a gift which they don't they couldn't verbalize themselves no doubt but they use everyone else they conquer other people for them and, and governments really when you look at governments remember government is an idea it's an abstract idea and we basically acquiesce to it by going along with it. It's supposed to be there, on paper at least, and in theory, to, to help keep order in society, initially, and then protect society. But we know it's nothing of the kind. It's really the biggest gang in town. And it's, and it's formulated on the same setup, the strata setup, as a military commander like like Alexander the Great and all the top henchmen round about him. There's always the top psychopaths that that go around the men at the top. So all governments really consist of the biggest gang in town. And it's interesting when you look into government policy at the United Nations and all the other countries, they'll tell you that in law, their goal is to be the only force Authorized to use force. That means that no one underneath them, within society, will eventually be authorized or allowed to use force. That means even to defend yourself. Now you know where all these laws have been coming from. That is written in their charters. Getting back to what psychopaths do. They get to the top of branches of military, government, commerce, generally by using other people to do their bidding. People who will often worship them. Those who are the, the paranoid types, but who also crave power, will always give in to what they feel is a stronger mind, and so they're easily led. They are the patsies, as I say. They're the ones who end up in Nuremberg trials and fight. And the military has used these guys down through the ages I have talked before about Ireland and all the mass graves in Ireland that people put down to the famine, the great famine they had there, the potato famine. But it wasn't that at all. There's lots of things to eat in Ireland. It was just that a few people owned all the food. And those people who owned all the food generally came in from Britain to run parts of Ireland. And during that great famine And there were thousands on the road looking for anything to eat or getting herded off to the United States to go off and fight wars and so on, which they did. They signed up as soon as they hit the docks in New York. There were British dragoons and guards and lots of different areas of uh, departure for ships to ensure that all the food and the beef and the pork, etc., and the grain was all shipped off to Britain and the British Empire, or wherever Britain was having its wars, to supply those wars, that was the cause of most of the famine. This was this food was literally commandeered by the military. They don't like to put that in the history books because every government likes to have a nice, nice sort of squeaky clean record on on the books, or at least come up with the best face they can. And genocide has been part of the system. For an awful, an awful long time, awful long time, genocide isn't just killing off people. It starts too with deep, depopulate the area. The ancients did this in the Middle East and in Persia. When they conquered areas, they would clean whole peoples off the land and move them. Those who survived physically somewhere else, in an attempt to destroy the culture completely. Britain is a past master at all of this. Because the British system used the same techniques in Scotland. When they tried to depopulate the Highlands, they called it the Highland problem. In their history books, they'll always call it, if you read the old history books of Britain, they called it a problem. They had the Turkish problem when they talked about the Ottoman Empire that owned and ruled a good part of the Middle East, up until World, War, until World War I. They had various problems, they called them. Very, very, very polite, the way they talked at the top, you see, where i going into go in gory detail. But in Scotland, they had the Scottish problem. And in Ireland, they had the Irish problem. And when they cleared the highlands, using one rebellion with a few clans as an excuse to clear the whole highlands pretty well out, And ship the people off abroad. And in turn that would recolonize or colonize their new colonies abroad for England. They forbid the people to speak their native tongue. That was the first step. They forbid them to wear their, their, their national clothing or their tribal clothing. If you were caught speaking Gaelic or wearing tribal clothing, the tartan, you were hung. No trial. And that went on for a whole generation to try to deculturalize people. And then teachers were sent up from England and lowland Scotland to teach English to the people. So that was part of the genocide. And lots, believe you me, lots of them were uh, drowned when a lot of these ships went across the Atlantic because England sequestered lots of old junk ships that weren't fit to sail and there's many records in museums in Scotland of whole peoples going down at sea just off the coast with relatives standing and watching. And this didn't stop there because when Britain went into the Americas, the Indians were there. And I've talked before about John Stuart Mill and then his son of the same name, both economists for the British government, who wrote... Stuff similar to H.G. Wells, who did it much later. But the Mills were the first ones to categorize different peoples who would not be fit to come into a new order, a new economic order. And even in the 1700s, they had it noted down that the American Indians would not be able to adapt into an economic system. And then later on, in the 1800s, they adapted that finding into the Darwinian philosophy, that superior cultures will ultimately destroy inferior cultures and maybe they'd have to even destroy purposely the inferior cultures or they'd bring the superior ones down. That still holds true today. And we're actually seeing a lot of it going across the world right now, in fact, because a lot of those Muslim countries over there have not adapted in to what's called progress, the progressive order. They still live in a tribal way, they lived to old ideas, which have worked very well for them up until now. They didn't have a usury in the Muslim countries until fairly recently. And they didn't join the World Bank and so on. We're seeing them pounded into the earth. Because everyone is being standardized in this day and age. Again, back to Canada. Canada, across the world, puts a lot of propaganda out about being a, a squeaky clean nation. I've already talked about how Canada led bacterial and viral warfare during and since World War II. And give me the names of the books, at least one major book that was written about it. And we be back on more of this after these messages. and we're cutting through the matrix. tying together the system, let's call it the system that we live in. The system is based on money and commerce and power and military conquest and domination of the many by the few. and how at the top you have the psychopathic types. And I've gone over many talks before in the past, discussing psychopathy and how they inbreed at the top. Money tends to marry money, and power marries power. So nothing really changes with their their offspring. And when you find two at the top, how they traditionally have their wet nurses and their nannies and so on, the mother has nothing to do with the child, and the child goes off to boarding school. Uh, Many studies have been done to show that they have a hard time bonding And because of that, they have a hard time about empathy, having empathy for other people. So they're classically well prepared for their roles in life to rule by force and often by very extreme methods when they think necessary. Again, back to, to, to the genocide idea. Genocide is nothing new. It's used as policy. It's still used as policy today. When Kissinger rattled off his enemy to the state, being overpopulation, and then he he headed for the year 2000, he wanted everything to be in place for the year 2000, with a list of countries where depopulation would have to be carried out. And when you look at all the countries involved, it's pretty well all the Western world, have all given money and help and equipment to setting up abortion clinics throughout all of those particular countries, and that's where all the wars have been as well. So it's no coincidence these things happen. When they do these things at the top and they publish their findings and they publish an agenda, you can always count on it. They're going to carry it out. It's the same with the United Nations with their Department of Population control. They mean what they say. don't have meetings and go home and, and set up letters to Santa Claus up the chimney with a wish list. They cut, they put it into effect. It is done. And they have the financial backing to make it happen. But getting back to Britain and how they were the masters of this, not the only ones to do it by any means. Every rising empire have done the same things, has done the same things to other people. And when we start reading from an article that was first put out on June the 12th, 2008, by the New York Times, And it it came out because an uh, an inquiry had to be taken uh, or done on people who were doing too many grumblings, but mainly because of one man and what he managed to start all by himself. It says, Canada offers an apology for native students' abuse by Ian Austin. Ottawa, the governor of Canada... Well, the Government of Canada formally apologised on Wednesday to native Canadians for forcing about 150,000 native children into government-financed residential schools where many suffered physical and sexual abuse. Now this is, this is the nice write-up I'm giving you right now, first of all. The system of schools which began shutting down in the 1970s after decades of operations was dedicated to eradicating the languages, traditions and cultural practices of native Canadians and has been linked to the widespread incidence of alcoholism, suicide, family violence in many native communities. This is the the nice write-up. The treatment of children in Indian residential schools is a sad chapter in our history. Stephen Harper, the Prime Minister of Canada, said in a speech in the House of Commons where a small group of former students and native leaders sat in front of him. Today we recognize that this policy of assimilation, that's a good word, assimilation, that's what they're trying to do with the whole planet right now. The assimilation was wrong, he says, has caused great harm and has no place in our country. I don't believe it was assimilation. I think it was eradication, personally. He's on here, an apology from the Prime Minister had been sought by native groups for years and was part of a broad court-sanctioned settlement with the government and church organizations that operated the schools. The government funded these church organizations run the schools. The federal government also agreed to pay 1.9 billion Canadian dollars but 1.85 billion to surviving students and to establish a truth and reconciliation commission to document the experiences, experiences of children who attended the schools. Harry S. reform a Mississauga Indian And a justice of the Interior Court of Appeal, who will oversee the commission, said the school's program was responsible for making the relationship between Native people and other Canadians so unworkable, so filled with mistrust. The policy of the Canadian residential schools was not to educate Indian children, he said in the interview. It was to kill the Indian in the child. It was to erase the culture of Indian people from the fabric of Canada. In a rare break with parliamentary tradition, several native leaders were allowed to speak from the floor of the House of Commons. And you think about even that, in a break with parliamentary tradition, why shouldn't anybody be allowed to speak on the house, on the floor of the House of Commons? Some spoke in their native languages, all praised Mr. Harper for offering an apology, though native groups remain at odds with the government on several issues, including spending on native communities. The memories of residential schools sometimes cut like merciless knives at our souls. Phil Fontaine, the National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, the National Association of Native Groups, told the House of Commons he wore a ceremonial feathered headdress. Never again will this house consider us the Indian problem, just for being who we are, he said. we will be back with more on this, and much, much more, after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, tying in some histories together not just to focus on one event or one long piece in history that happened in Canada but to show you that this is standard procedure because we're run by psychopaths and they never ever change their ways. That's in the psychiatric books if you want to read them. They can't change their ways. So whatever they do in one generation will do in another. And a new generation of psychopaths will copy the former because that's that's how they are. That's exactly how they are. If a problem, they eradicate the problem. To continue this article, before we go on to an even better one, because into it in more detail. It says in 1990, Mr. Fontaine, an Ojibwe, became one of the first native leaders to disclose he had been sexually abused while attending the Fort Alexander Indian Residential School in Manitoba. The federal government has admitted that sexual and physical abuse in the schools was widespread. In his speech, Mr. Harper acknowledged that while some former students have spoken positively about their experiences at residential schools, these stories are far overshadowed by tragic accounts of the emotional, physical and sexual abuse and neglect of helpless children. I think it's only to talk about the attendance at the residential schools. was made mandatory by the government in 1920, for native children between the ages of 7 and 16 as part of a program called aggressive assimilation. Children were forced to leave their parents, were harshly punished for speaking their own languages or practicing their religions. All but a small number of the approximately 130 schools were run by Christian denominations that operated them as missionary schools, some as far back as the 19th century. Those denominations were the Anglican, United Roman Catholic, and Presbyterian churches. Although the history of the program has been reviewed by various government commissions and courts, many details are still unknown. And that's where I'm going to jump from this particular article to a more recent one. And this is from the Scotsman. Wednesday the 7th of January 2009. Playground Bones force Canada to Face Genocide of Indian Children This the 6th of January, it's published 2009 by Lorraine Malinder in Canada In overgrown deserted school playgrounds across Canada lie the bones of thousands of native Indian children who were stolen from their families, this is by the law Historian John Malloy is helping to uncover their stories in official research on burial sites. We know that children were buried in unmarked graves, children who disappeared were never heard from again, he said. The research is part of Canada's attempt to face up to a disturbing legacy of its residential school system, an attempt to assimilate native children that resulted in thousands of deaths and ruined lives. From the late 19th century right up to the 1970s, An estimated 150,000 native children at First Nations, Inuit, and Mati were packed off to the schools funded by the state and run by the Catholic, Anglican, and United Churches. The story has taken a more sinister turn with allegations about death by torture. I'll go into this with something else after this. Fatal medical experiments, they were doing that too. In fact, they were contaminating the children with TB by forcing... The healthy ones who sleep in the same beds as those who are really on the way out with tuberculosis. Forced sterilization, eugenics again, and secret burials and mass graves filtering into the public domain. These allegations have been gathered and disseminated by Kevin Annett. Kevin Annett was a defrocked minister. was thrown out of the United Church because single-handedly the man started to bring all of this forward on behalf of surviving natives and I know he went through hell from the authorities and from his own peer group and from his superiors his wife packed up and left him because she she wanted like most people want a nice, nice steady income husband respected and a good a good occupation and so on. And he gave it up. He gave it all up to do the right thing. And he brought it forward. And the sad thing is it took a non Indian to bring it forward because no one would listen to the Indians. It says Kevin Annett, the defrocked minister who was thrown out of the United Church in 1996 for his part in exposing the school scandal, I had many, many warnings about it, and he had the RCMP and many threats and so on from the government, and he kept going. This is the clergy sold and trusted native lands to a logging company. That's what they did when they were killing off the Indians. They were selling off the land to, you know, the, 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 the in boys, the old school tie, given the big logging company contracts, the big boys. Fred Hiltz, primate of the Anglican Church of Canada, apologized last year on behalf of the religious authorities. We failed them. We failed ourselves. We failed God. We failed because of our racism and because of the belief that white ways were superior to Aboriginal ways, he said. I'd add economic ways, because economics in this system is behind all of this. Canada's Truth and Reconciliation Commission has responded to the claims over Mr. Arnett allegations by ordering maps to be drawn up of possible burial sites and research into numbers and causes of death. Mr. Malloy and his team plan to track down the death certificates and records of maintenance payments sent to schools. Much of the proof will have been lost in routine government purges of official documentation in the 40s, 50s and 60s, he fears, and you better believe if there's anything around now they will be purging it now as well. Michael Polisell, General Secretary of the Anglican Church of Canada, says that many schools will also have lost track of children. Roland Christjohn, a professor of Native Studies, St. Thomas University in Fredericton, New Brunswick, is sick of what he perceives as Canada tiptoeing around the issue. I want someone with the power to subpoena witnesses and documents and go all kinds of places this commission can't go at all, he said. Describing the residential schools as genocide... He said, perpetrators are still living. People should be held to account. Mike Kachaji, the chairman of the National Residential School Survivor Society, has his own theory about the TRC. It's an opportunity for churches to receive absolution, he said. For us, there are no words of reconciliation. You have to make amends. Just listening for ten minutes doesn't work. I think you'll have to get a new baptism poem complete or 100 percent disinfectant to be honest with you when you go into this thousands abused and regime built to crush native cultures and it goes on last june the Canadian prime minister harper rose in parliament to apologize to people on behalf of all canadians for a system of indian residential schools he called a sad chapter in our history a sad ch- just a sad chapter A link I'm put it at the end of the show or for a video will show you some of this sad chapter with the proof in it of British generals who were taking the blankets out of hospitals where they had various diseases and giving them to the Indians. This, this was the status. This is what they did. This was normal. And so were a lot of the ministers, too. It was an agenda. Because one of the generals kept a great record of it. It's in a museum. And he actually said in it that he was was all for the extirpation. That's the term they use for Scotland too, extirpation of these people, he says. That means the complete annihilation. That was on the same Order that was given by King William to the Campbells in Scotland as a regiment working for England to kill off the McDonald's over taxes. Extirpate. I meant kill every man, woman, and child, Child, as I meant. And General Amherst in Canada, whose place names after him, kept the records. He was very proud of selling these diseases to the Indians and he kept records of how fast they went down. Since from the 1870s to the 1970s, some 150,000 native Indian children were forcibly removed from their parents and sent to distant residential schools. Many survivors said they were abused mentally, physically and sexually. On this video, I'll give you the link to You'll hear some of the survivors talking about it. It was standard. The little boys had their pants pulled down and they all stood in a line and they were all buggered one after the other. They also talk about the graves being dug for some of them. They were severely beaten and died and showed where they were buried. And that's what they're trying to suppress right now. It says there are about 80,000 survivors of a practice that ripped an estimated 150,000 children from their communities and sent them off to be relieved of their Indianness. In one area, Canada, where they put in these blankets, by the way, in the late 1800s, and they were keeping records of it, there was over 40,000 Indians. And at the end of a few years, three or four years, there was only 40 of them left. And you think anything has changed today? Look at all the talks I've given that back to you on viral warfare. Not because I'm picking it out of thin air, I'm reading the the, the reports that are given to us openly in the press. In decades past, the aim was to assimilate Aboriginal peoples and crush their cultures. Duncan Campbell Scott, a senior government bureaucrat dealing with Aboriginal matters, declared in 1920... I want to get rid of the Indian problem. There you are again. The Indian problem, the Scottish problem, the Irish problem. It's always a problem. The Turkish problem, the Lebanese problem, whatever it happens to be, it's always the problem, you see. It says, our objective is to continue until there is not a single Indian in Canada that has not been absorbed into the body politic. Children were called pigs and dogs. Teachers beat them if they used their own languages, same in Britain, and told them they would go to hell unless they converted to Christianity. Many parents never saw their sons and daughters again. Survivors often took to drugs and alcohol to dim the past. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission, set up for five years under the terms of the 2006 Indian Residential School Settlement Agreement, is expected to hear the stories of survivors beginning this year. Now, you'll find that Mr. Annett they brought this forward and paid the price. Because, believe you me, the government of Canada did not want this coming out at all. It loves its squeaky clean image abroad. They put a lot of money into propagandizing the rest of the world how nice and fair we are. And we only go off to war when we really, really have to because we don't like killing people and all of that nonsense. Mr. Annett made a, a video and it's called Unrepentant. And I'll put the link up on my site at the end of the show. And there's a few parts to it And you'll hear from some of the survivors the things that were done to them. But isn't it sad that it literally took it literally took someone from a different culture a different ethnic origin to bring this forward because no one would listen to the Indians. There is so much racism that no one would listen to them. And all of the big official organizations and all the big churches who are very respectable, getting back to the psychopath, the psychopath either hides behind anonymity to manipulate others, and that's why, as I say, the Internet is a great vehicle for them. Or they hide in plain sight, but always in something that's very respectable. And my, have we been brainwashed with the business suit and the suit and tie is the respectable uniform for those who should rule over us. The watched suits and ties take us to war after war after war since World War Two. Not uniforms. Suits and ties. And CEOs of corporations ping-pong from, from being a head of a corporation to a politician. And you pretend that you're in some kind of Free society because you can play at the bottom. When you, when you take the overall picture, and this is what I'm getting at too when they pull in philosophers and historians to help guide and plan the future, they're treating us the same way as they treated the native Indians. We're all children now. We're dumbed down. We're entertained to death. We never grow up. And we're completely abused because of it and we're defenseless because of it. Britain did the same across the planet wherever it colonized. Did the same thing in New Zealand. The same thing in Australia. And anything that's different from you anyone that's different from you has to be, when they say assimilated, they really mean extirpated. Because you are a problem, the aboriginal problem. Going back into their system, remember where we are today, they planned hundreds of years ago. Because major economists wrote about this coming world system. Like John Stuart Mill, read his books, very boring, very dry and there you'll find that they had listed all the peoples including the American Indian who'd be unable to adapt into an economic system where they get up with a clock and work all day day after day and go to bed and get up again to the clock as all of we are trained to do. Who's got the real natural system, I wonder? Because as we're all playing and behaving like little children we're being told openly, there is no conspiracy, it's all in your face now. They plan to depopulate fast. I've been over all the sicknesses that have come out since inoculations began. Because they don't have to pass blankets around anymore. They just train you to take shots. And that's how it's done. Let's not scare the children. We the children. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watts. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, going through another unpleasant topic, but trying to tie things together to show you that... Genocide is not new. It's used as an arm, a technique, you should say, of government, many governments. It can take many forms as well. Today it's done more covertly by training the people or your victim that medicine, all medicine out there is good for you. It's more efficient than just tossing up blankets with smallpox. And on that video with, with uh, Kevin Annett, you'll actually see from the same General Amherst's own notes, the actual official real notes, not copies, where he was keeping all the data to do with this bacterial warfare that they were spreading into the Indian communities. And the joy that this man obviously took from his occupation when it was so successful That's the kind of world we really do live in. It's the kind of world that's not taught to children, unfortunately, which makes them gullible and naive, so that it can be all used again by the descendants of the psychopaths who still run the world. And believe you me, there's many psychopaths at the bottom, on the bottom level, who if they were born into positions of power and powerful families would be just the same as the ones at the top. The MO that they have is always the same. They're great manipulators of other people. They get others to do their dirty work for them, while they walk off squeaky clean. If they have a chip on their shoulder, they'll make sure that there's lots of patsies. they will take the can when they end up trying to get rid of the chip for him. That standard technique. But the ones at the top are throughout science and academia. These are the same people like Madeleine Albright when she talked about killing off the Iraqis by starvation. Starvation! And she was told 150,000 or so had died was that acceptable? to achieve the objective and she says yes without blinking an eyelid it turned out there was more like 500,000 died off it like a food meanwhile we find the top of the United Nations general director's son was cashing in on all this for oil for food program another good psychopath they all hide behind something as I say psychopaths hide behind things public venue to hide behind the suit and the tie and letters behind their names and we're all taught we'd be very impressed by letters behind the names as though somehow it makes them more altruistic by having letters behind their names you'll find some of the worst tyrants in history had letters behind their names I've gone on about Galton And Charles Galton Darwin and all these beautiful people, and there's more of them today in positions of power, and all of academia has gone along with this new phase of the Darwinian agenda. It's in our faces today. It's not held back. Let's get out of denial and start doing something about it. From Hamish myself, from a very snowy Ontario, Canada. It's good night and may God or your gods go with you.